This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, good morning everyone. Thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity. There's nothing more fun than joining at a great cemetery. What could be better? What could be a more exciting experience? Actually, I want to tell, share with you, I once heard from Rav Avigdor Miller, what should you think when you go into a cemetery? So the first and most important thing you need to think is, thank God I'm on the outside. You know, that's the, thank God I'm the visitor and not the one being visited. Uh, just uh, some quick thoughts about the, the purpose and function of visiting a cemetery, as the Rav mentioned. Although there is a tradition among Hasidim that there may be room to be able to address the mess directly, nevertheless, Normative halacha does not allow that. The Mishnah Brewer codifies that when we go to the cemetery, we do not address the mess directly. Instead, we uh, pray to Hashem in the merit of the tzaddik. So why do we need to invoke the merit of the tzaddik? There is an amazing comment of the Ran. The Ran is found in the Drashos Haran. And the Ran brings the following very important idea. He says that when Moshe was being criticized by Aaron and Miriam... So HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to come to Aaron and Miriam and tell them, you know, you're not, you're not acting properly. But Hashem doesn't just appear to Aaron and Miriam. Hashem would always appear to Moshe, but He wouldn't just come and appear to Aaron and Miriam. So what Hashem did was, He told Moshe, stand next to Aaron and Miriam. And when Moshe standing there, Moshe Rabbeinu created, so to speak, like a hotspot, a Wi-Fi zone. And once Moshe was there, now Hashem speaks to Aaron and to Miriam. So the Ran says, so there's a concept that Sadiqim, when they're alive, they are a conduit of energy, of spiritual energy from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that conduit continues to exist after they pass on. So therefore, even after they pass on, when one visits the place of their burial, that area continues to be a hotspot, a Wi-Fi zone to, of connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, because since the Tzaddik was a source of wisdom of God, and knowledge of Torah and connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, even after their demise, that spot retains its, uh, its ability to be a conduit to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Okay, maybe to get a little appreciation for uh, some of the individuals that we're going to visit today, I want to share with you some history of the city of Cincinnati. Not that I'm a big expert of the history of Cincinnati, but... I think it's uh, worthwhile just to get an idea. The first Jew to settle in Cincinnati was Joseph Jonas, who arrived from Plymouth in the year 1817. Okay, so in the beginning of the 19th century, Jews started to come from England, from Holland, from Germany. And the Jews that came were not necessarily strong in their observance and not necessarily uh, knowledgeable in Jewish practice and Jewish observance. And therefore, in 1854, Isaac Mayer Wise was invited to serve as the rabbi of B'nai Yeshurun. Isaac Mayer Wise was known to have, quote-unquote, bold plans and grand schemes. He is the father of the reform movement, which, let's not mince any words, is probably the greatest, was the greatest threat to authentic Judaism in the history of the Jewish people. Um, Isaac... Uh, Isaac uh, Wise did not uh, accept 
the authority and the divinity of the the Torah. So that is uh, was a great thread, and he teamed up with an individual by the name of Max Lilienthal. Now, Max Lilienthal, as we will learn about, actually was in the Volozhin Yeshiva. He was uh, known b- uh, by the Nitziv and Rabitzel Panovicher. And while the Nitziv tried to look favorably at Max Lilienthal, Rabitzel, he knew from the get-go that this guy was up to no good. Um, actually, Max Lilienthal is discussed extensively in a very famous sefer called um, of the Baal Taratmima, Rabbi Chalevi Epstein, in um, the Makar Baruch, thank you very much, where he speaks about how Max Lilienthal was invited by the Russian government as the emissary to inspect the education system of the yeshivas, and his goal, his stated goal, was was supposedly innocuous, just to make sure that the yeshiva system would uh, inject... Are we here? We're here. So I'll just say, to inject some secular knowledge into the yeshiva system, then it sieves sort of... The Nitziv uh, did not feel that he should be um, opposed strongly. Rabitzala felt that this would be end up being the demise of the Shiva world, and ultimately Max Lilienthal proved that he was not innocuous because when he came to Cincinnati, he joined Wise's efforts and he became one of the fathers of the reform movement. So here you have Jews coming from Germany, from Holland. They did not come with with strong intentions to to uh, uphold observance and uh, individuals like Wise and Lilienthal found a very accepting audience of sort of, we'll call it downsizing Jewish observance. However, in the 1850s, you had an individual by the name of Rabbi Shachni Isaacs who came and he founded the first Orthodox shul. It became known as Rabbi Shachni shul. He was not a Rav. He was a layman, but he was a vociferous opponent to reform. In fact, he publicly burnt reform prayer books. And as we're going to see, Rabbi Bernard Ilwoy commented very strongly against the reform prayer books, where he basically said that reform prayer books are wonderful if your interest in a prayer book is a decorative item which ends as quickly as possible. But if you want authentic Jewish prayer, they're not acceptable. So, now just to give you a little bit of a, of a background as to um, the newspapers that existed in the 19th century. So you had a, a Wise's newspaper, the Israelite, which, um, what was that? In the, what, what was the... Who spoke before me? Ray. Ray, there's still the Israelite today? Is that the reform paper today? It's what? Okay. Anyway, the... Okay. Anyway, the opposing newspaper to the Israelite in the 19th century was a paper that was edited by Rabbi Isaac Leeser, who was a great rabbi in Philadelphia. I had the privilege to be at by his grave a few times. And he was the general editor of something called The Occident. The Occident, which was the voice of Orthodox Jewry in the United States of America. And one of the prominent writers was Rabbi Bernard or Rabbi Yisachar Doiv Ilwoy, who also wrote, was a correspondent 
for Rav Shamshin Hirsch's uh, newspaper in Germany. They needed an American correspondent, so uh, Rabbi Ilwoy was the American correspondent, and he was the voice of uh, authentic Judaism here in the United States of America, sort of always defending and attacking Wise and Lilienthal. So we have to understand a lot of the individuals that we're going to visit today, in terms of accomplishment, they, they don't have much to show. They didn't have big yeshivas. They didn't have institutions. Judaism was floundering. What, what they have is great sacrifice for our people, where they risk their careers and lives and health to fight for authentic Orthodox Jewry. And if today we are able to practice Judaism and observe kashras and build yeshivas, it's basically built upon the sweat and tears and lives of these great individuals that we're going to visit today. And without further ado... Let's, uh, okay. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.